This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months for free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM. While saving tons on phone plans starting at just 15 bucks a month. For a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com slash save. That's mintmobile.com slash save. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash save. From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. It is Friday, October 11th, 2019. My name is Jesse Carey, and you are listening to Ye Old Relevant Podcast. Here with me on today's show, the the the, the medieval-themed episode for a reason that will never become clear. Here with me, our creative director, John David Harris, but I like to call him JD. JD, welcome to the show. Huzzah! <laughs> I feel like that was an appropriate medieval greeting. That was that that what that was. Uh, uh, Squire and senior writer Tyler Huckabee. Tyler, welcome to the show. Bonjour. I'm going to stick with my traditional French greeting, which is okay. also the greeting of the French of the French knights and uh, kings of the Middle Ages. And I and I think and we- I, I don't know that. <laughs> And with us, sporting his 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 brand new fryer haircut, <laughs> our illustrious <laughs> producer Chandler Strang. Uh, we got we have a really great show for you today, despite the intro. There, uh, we talk with Jeff Bethke. He joins us today. He's got a brand new book coming out. It's called "To Hell with Hustle: Reclaiming Your Life in an Overworked, Overspent, and Overconnected World." I love how Christian book titles are comfortable getting edgier now. Like I've seen hell, <laughs> yeah. I've seen yeah, hell in a true. couple titles, and it wasn't like it wasn't like the theology of hell. You know, it was to hell with hustle. You know, like (laughs) it's, you know, Christian music went through that like in the 80s when Striper Mm -hmm. did uh, To To Hell hell with the the Devil. To Hell with the Devil. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. But I I think the publishing industry has been pretty skittish on some of this for a while. You know, you got got Lifeway. But maybe this is part of the brick and mortar downfall is that now you have Mm -hmm. to compete with like Bezos and Amazon and all that. You have to spice up your titles a little bit. I'm trying to think of other examples of all that. I'm sure they're out there. I do think that was the main, I think that was the main reason why, you know, that 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 whole industry has been so resistant to edgy titles like this Mm -hmm. up until recently Mm -hmm. is because like, you know, you don't know if, if the proprietors of the local Christian bookstore are going to feel comfortable with the, you know, it's not to heck with hustle. It's the hell with hustle on the display. (laughs) And I don't know, like we had our Christian bookstore around here growing up was called heaven and earth. 
I don't know if the good people that owned Heaven and Earth would be comfortable with this. Would be comfortable um, putting this. Yeah, same with the, I had the I had Lifeway. Uh, I had a Lifeway store right there at Moody Bible Institute, my alma mater. They've come up a lot lately on the podcast. Shout out to the people at Moody. I don't think they like to claim me anymore, but but you can't take away my diploma. You can't take away my diploma. I've already got it. You have to pry it from my gold bed hands. And uh, and but that was a pretty safe. It was a pretty tame bookstore. Yeah. Yeah. JD, what, what was your Christian bookstore growing up or did you even go to one? Uh, no, I, yeah, I went to one. <laughs> uh, we had one called, uh, Tampa Christian Supply. And so all, all of the Tampa Bay area, if you were a Christian, you could get all of your Christian supplies there at Tampa Christian Supply. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I love it. Okay. So like mine, mine growing up were definitely called like book and gift stores because that's what they sold. But yours is like a supply store because when I think of supply, I think of like the tractor supply or say, you know what right. I mean? Where, where, right. where farmers go to get a new blade for the combine or, you know, feed or something like what supplies were they selling? <laughs> well, so, I mean, basically it was just a bookstore, you know, it had like yeah. all of the Christian books and, you know, rows and rows of Bibles. And it had the, the little CD tray where you could look through all the, the Christian CDs and stuff. Yeah. Um, it, I will say it did have a nice collection of wannabe Thomas Kincaid paintings. Oh, sure. And, sure. um, and also other, uh, Christian themed, you know, house ornaments, which you don't need yeah. anymore because now we have Hobby Lobby, so you can get all yeah. of the, all of those there. Um, yeah, they did have a small section for like liturgical robes. Yeah, and things. mine had that too, yeah, and sure. I never yeah, saw yeah, one yeah, person ever in all my times visiting. I never saw one person like purchasing or even acknowledging the robes were back. There, right? No, you know, no, it was almost like they had to do it to fill, fulfill the quota, like in order to keep the supply. <laughs> aspect of their name. Yeah. We're like, we can't just be books. We can't just be CDs. We need supplies. Get them robes. The get them robes. Get them robes. Um, I was always curious if, as a kid, I remember being curious if that's where our church bought their like communion wafers yeah. and little uh-huh. cups because those yeah. would be, you know, Christian that's supplies. Supply. But I, th- yeah. I think they just ordered them from some other place. I had yeah, to I'm when sure. I was back when I was I, I was very briefly at a church I was I was helping out with in Chicago in charge of the communion situation. Mm. And then one morning it was like, oh, no, that's today. The first Sunday of the month. I totally forgot about it. We were out of supplies. <laughs> we didn't have anything. So I ran down to our local CVS and, you know, they had I got the little cracker, the little oyster crackers. That wasn't a problem. But they didn't have any grape. Ju- they didn't. There was no it was all like cran grape or like, yeah. you know, it was all like like mixes. And I don't know what the bio. Bible's rules are about this. I don't know if grape is the mandate. I'm aware that the grape juice we're usually serving isn't really, probably doesn't have a whole lot of grape involved anyway. So (laughs) I didn't want to be too, I wasn't going to get, get, so I just got that, went for the cran grape thing. Nobody said anything. I don't think anybody noticed. Jesus didn't strike me down, but I do want to confess that because I don't think I ever told anybody about that. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's good to get you that that there was a cranberry infused in your communion. I'm sure you've been Mm. laying awake at night ever since then. And tonight you'll have the first good night's sleep in your I also, yeah, it's true because I don't know how much of communion juice, like you said, actually contains grape. It's mostly like purple sugar water because, Uh, like, there are like juices called like juicy juice where it's like juice 
both juices are like misspelled in the title because it's like, well, it's not juice, it's juicy juice. You know? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so they don't have to really like stand by the, the like claim that it's juice. We never said it was juice. We said yeah, it was it's like a O-O-S. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like craft singles never claim to be cheese. They're just craft singles. Why would you think right. this is a cheese yeah. product? Yeah, well, you know? if you thought that was cheese, that's on you. We did. We made it very clear. <laughs> I feel like there's a whole market that is missing out on this because I don't know if you've noticed, but there's so many things that are coming out with just like things that we've always had, but they've just made yeah. them look really simple and like the branding is clean and stuff. Uh, good things like even like Harry's or something like yeah. razor blades have been around for a while, but they just kind of branded them a little bit and made it a little cooler. I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a communion oh, yeah. brand That's waiting to happen. That's a great idea. It, oh, it for really sure. Is. Because I remember at the point where it, the whole operation got a little too slick, and I was I got a little uncomfortable with how like commodified it seemed. Like wh- I, I can't remember in which church, but they handed them out. They passed them like the ushers. At this point, it, like I, I like at least going to get the sacraments from someone up at the front of the church to get the juice to get the. You, you like know. the walk. You like the walk. I to like the, the walk. But okay. I Are went to a church one time. Is that what it is? I, I, I just like I, to walk. They like their, yeah, yeah. They like their fan, calls. Yeah. Big fan, big fan. <laughs> but either way, I like, honestly, I just get restless. I, it's hard to sit through the entire church service <laughs> without like, like an hour. I, I'll get up to go to the yeah. bathroom. I don't even have to go. I just want to, I just like, I can't sit here. Like, you know, the weird thing is your legs never get more tired than during wor- standing for worship. Like, oh, I don't know. True. Has anyone had that experience? Oh, like, you're standing true. here yeah. like, this is going on. Like, we're staying, we've been yeah. standing for like 25. I can't remember the last time I stood <laughs> for 25 straight minutes without sitting. All I'm thinking about is sitting. I know that I know I shouldn't be thinking this, but that's what I'm thinking. My, my legs are, 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 you know, they can barely sustain my body weight but then like 10 minutes in the sermon i'm like i need to walk around i hope they do some kind of communion thing but anyway they got too fancy at one point and they started doing the communion cups with the wafer like oh, vacuum like built sealed in. onto yeah. the oh, lid yeah, sure and he like sure. peeled it off and it was like almost McDonald's. like yeah, I was like, this isn't this isn't how communion should be served. This is how you eat a Dunkaroo. Like it's too, you <laughs> yeah. know. This is, yeah, it just got too fancy for me. You know, do you, do you like that? Because I went to a church for a while in Lincoln that really went for it with like the they did real wine up front. Like you had yeah. to go there; it was poured into a giant like like last crusade like uh, Indiana Jones last crusade type goblet that oh, you drank awesome. out of, and the bread was like artisanal. And I was like, this feels kind of like. Then it, I mean, I'm aware that that's like an artifice too, because now you're just being like, now you're just trying to get the hipsters and they're like, oh, they have like fresh baked <laughs> bread. Mm, that's how I like my community. But it was at least like if you skip breakfast, it tidied you over a little bit. Yeah. You yeah. got a lot of it. I, yeah. I, I, I kind of feel like when you're saying that's like the hipstery thing, I feel like there needs to be at least one episode of Portlandia that's just dedicated to hipstery Christian Like the cool, ch- the cool church. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's yeah, a lot exactly. of material there. Oh, there's tons of material. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I still, I, I need, I need the mid service walk to really get around. But, um, but yeah, all, so all that to say, Jeff Bethke to, to hell with hustle. <laughs> <laughs> too edgy, too edgy for the mom and pop shop. If I you're can't like, believe we're you know, saying it. it 
Yeah, I, I know. I'm saying it so liberally and freely. Um, yeah. So if you, you know, if you go down to your local Christian supply <laughs> store, you may get fancy <laughs> communion cups. But I don't know. It's a question mark whether this whether this book will be there. So uh, but he's, he's coming up later. Um, so, you know what? Let's actually we'll take a break here and we'll come back with this week's hot list. You're listening to Good Intentions by Magdalena Bay. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Good Luck by Broken Bells. Big fan of Broken Bells. Glad, glad they're been a while. on the pod. Yeah, been a while. Yeah. yeah. It's cool to see them back. Can I tell you can yeah. I tell you guys something? Can I bring some news? I know I know this isn't this isn't a slice. This is just personal. Okay. Personal yeah, news. Please. I bought I bought tickets for I've never done one of these before. This is I, this is my first time, and I don't know what I'm getting myself into at all here. But I bought myself some tickets to Comic Con Paris. The, the French, the French Comic Con, that which is, uh, as I'm sure most people know, the cons are like, uh, it's like a meeting of all the nerds, all the, in this case, yeah. all the French nerds. Uh, usually in the States, they debut a lot of like big movie trailers for upcoming superhero movies and stuff there. They're not really going to do much of that here, but, uh, but there's some like, the, they kind of sent like the B team over as far as the stars are concerned. But hey, it's a, I'm still, I, it's usually in New York and LA, so I don't really get to go, but it happens to be in Paris while I'm here. So I'm heading that direction. That's yeah, fun. like when the ones that? that, yeah, when is it, Tyler? It's going to be, it's Halloween, the last weekend here oh, in October. Oh, that's cool. All Hallows yeah. Eve? On All Hallows, yeah, yeah sorry. It's okay. All yeah, Hallows yeah, Eve. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, you mean Harvest Festival night? I got yeah, right. Holy <laughs> roast, yeah. Holy Ghost Wiener Roast night. Ah, uh, trunk or treat night. I got gotcha. you. Then that's when it. Yeah. So, so at like the L.A. at the L.A. Comic Con, it's like Robert Downey Jr. and Brie yeah, Larson. They get, yeah, they in get Paris. Everybody. In Paris, it's like a second-rate villain from one of those WP or CW superhero shows. You know, like who's oh, that guy? Guy, couch, number, guy number three. It's like, oh yeah, that shows. Uh, I saw that on a, like a like a preview on the side of my browser one time. <laughs> It's like this guy once played a vampire on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Two thousand five. You know who they got? They got uh this is good. They got they got Ben McKenzie, who is now the lead in that Gotham show that I don't watch, the the Batman show on, yeah. on FX, but m- more famously known obviously as Ryan Atwood in the OC. Uh, yeah, was just yeah. like hey, that's that's mm. who that's who I'll always be as far as I'm concerned. I'm a big, oh, me I'm too. A big OZ fan. That was a bit OC was my show. Yeah, well, it's good to see he's still still getting he's work. Still, so. still, <laughs> the Paris Comic the Paris Comic Con crowd is going to love him. Well, you know, I be, I, I have an item in the hot list just for you, Tyler. Um, oh, that I've, we'll get to. Um, oh, I can't wait. Uh, but uh, without further ado, it's time for this week's. It's the hot the hot Mm. Coming in hot today, guys. Never get told. Never get told. <laughs> Coming in hot, JD. I'm interested to in your 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 take on this on this. First oh boy, one. here we go. Uh, a, a a new quote unquote true movie about a strange exorcism at a military mm. base is coming. It's from uh, horror artor Osgood Perkins. He'll write and direct the upcoming film for Lionsgate, and it's titled 
uh, incident at Fort Bragg. Here is the official synopsis from Deadline. The pick is inspired by the true story of renowned writer and Irish Catholic priest Malachi Martin, who was brought in by the U.S. government to perform a sanctioned exorcism on a young soldier at the famed army base. Uh, however, it's, it's probably important to note that despite its, you know, true story distinction, uh, military experts don't really have too much of an idea about the actual events. This is from a piece on military.com. Uh, Martin was a famous guy back in the day who used the popularity of the exorcist to make himself the go-to expert on the subject for magazines and TV shows. The internet doesn't e- easily cough up any details about the Bragg incident. And so far it's impossible to confirm the based on a true story story angle here if Mm. there really was an exorcism at fort bragg that involved martin it would have had to take place sometime between the early 60s and his death in july of 1999 there's no word on a release date uh jd uh i know you you like uh you're you're a movie guy but you also like stuff about the supernatural what are your what's your take on like exorcism movies i don't know like sometimes um it feels just like a easy trope to rehash um but then also, you know, being a believer, uh, there's there's something that's really terrifying about that idea because I mean, you see in in scriptures, there's evidence of of crazy things. I mean, one of Jesus's favorite pastime was passing out, uh, not passing out demons, but casting out demons, and yeah. <laughs> he's just passing out. out demons left and right. Uh, <laughs> but um, but so I feel like the 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 potential realism there, uh, especially growing up in a um, I don't know, a more like charismatic church, definitely. Yeah lends itself to feel more creepy to me. But at the same time, I feel like some of it just feels so rehashed. You're like, yeah. okay, so they're going to speak in Latin. Okay, so yeah. their head's going to spin. Okay, so they're going to have scratches all over <laughs> they're themselves. Gonna, they're like, going to do that weird arch ba- arching back walk right, thing. Right. Yeah. Like, what's the, what's the uh, like, what's, what new, what new form of exorcism are we going to like JD, drop it's on into? a military base. It's, it's on, on, on. You missed the military part? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's the pitch. But like, the studio pitch, he's like, all right, I'm going to do an exorcism movie. And the studio executives are like, that's it. And he's like, um, it's on a military base. So <laughs> we're in. Sold. Let's do this thing. Let's Based do this on a true story? Like, well, they can't, Prove it's not a true story. <laughs> so, sure, sure, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Might happen. Might have happened. I don't know. Might have. Uh, yeah, I, it is. I, I, you know, here I don't like horror movies. Don't bother me. Uh, but I, I don't know. There, there. I don't enjoy watching movies about exorcisms. Oh, yeah. Which there, it seems like there's quite a number. These, you, you know, like yeah. the, uh, Scott Derrickson who. You know, a lot of people know his work best for Doctor for directing Doctor Strange. He's also a Christian, and he's been in the magazine a number of times. Um, but he, one of his early films was, I think it was The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Is that yeah, right? That was my, yeah, 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 that was that my last. Okay. That was my, the last like exorcism film that came out that I actually felt um, was pretty interesting and and handled the the subject matter well. I with with them like kind of showing the contrast between actually trying to take into account some of the new understandings that we have of like psychology and and mental health and those kinds of things yeah. and, and playing that in to uh the scenario and and really uh showing how in certain scenarios they really try to take 
all that into account before they just resort to it's a demon, you know? And, yeah. and yeah. I thought it was interesting. And it was also interesting the way that they set that one in a courtroom after the case, recounting the tale and, and kind of going through it that way, telling the story in a little bit of a different way. Um, so that was the last one that I really liked, but I also, it was, it was the creepiest thing to me in that movie was there's a scene where she has like sleep paralysis and her, yeah. her boyfriend like wakes up and she's laying on the ground, like paralyzed, staring at him. <laughs> that was creepier than any of the like crazy demonic floating up yeah. in the air stuff. It's just this, this one like haunting shot of, of her staring up at, at him through these like kind of cold eyes as she's yeah. sleep paralyzed. That was the thing that haunted me more than her like speaking Latin and spewing up pea yeah. soup. Yeah. Well, you know what, it, <laughs> JD, you know what would have made it better if uh, than just in a courtroom? If the courtroom's on a military base. Oh, yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's like a JAG tribunal or something. <laughs> yeah. This does seem kind of distant. This seems like it's got like, they're really trying to target like the conservative America, like red state America yeah. with this. Like yeah. it's a, it's a supernatural movie. So you got the, like the church element it's on a yeah. military base. So, you know, you know, people are going to like that. All you have to do is like cast Chris Pratt in here and you're, I'd say you're pretty much set to go. <laughs> the priest is Chris Pratt fighting. Yeah, there's a scene between, uh, between Chris Pratt and Kevin Sorbo. And he's like, I want the truth. He's like, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> yeah. He says it in like the voice of like, 10 people. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> next item. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't want to give too much commentary. I'm just going to jump right into it. Chip and Joe are our, our, our favorite couple. They're building a hotel that you can go stay at and you can, you, you, you'll feel like you're actually in a rerun of, of fixer upper. Um, so, you know, right now, Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're two of the, I don't know how they do all of this, to be honest with you. No, they're basically either. taking over target, like half, half yeah. of target right now <laughs> is Chip and Joe Magnolia stuff. So, you know, they it's posted, industry. The, it really is, you know, so it's they amazing. posted the show, they write books, they're launching actually a cable network. They run that giant market, you know, cafe store hangout in Waco. They have the Silobration festivals there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, they have the giant line of Target goods. And now they're building a hotel. Uh, they recently explained in a YouTube announcement video, they are converting one of downtown Waco's old buildings, uh, which is it's about a, a hundred years old. And they're going to make it into a boutique hotel. Uh, they plan on opening it to the public sometime in 2021. They are are also working on plans for a $10 million Magnolia market nearby. Uh, and that'll have, uh, you know, even more shops for you to pick up your, your shiplap, your, your repurposed uh, <laughs> mason jars and milk bottles and decorative <laughs> 10 buckets of sticks. <laughs> like literally, literally I was on their website and I'm like, one of the products that they sell is a 10 bucket filled with sticks. Like that looks like they were just collected in a yard and it's like $50. <laughs> I mean, good for them good for them for I, like, admire the, I admire the hustle i i you, yeah. you gotta respect the hustle but it's you know still, what they but need? it's odd to me they yeah. need to open a christian supply store <laughs> oh they, would, they <laughs> would really they would knock it out of the park <laughs> well i mean you say that jokingly but some of the like some of the stuff like the wall art that they have at the magnolia market store has like bible verses on it it's not yeah. it's basically an elevated christian supply store is what yep. it is you know little communion 
tin buckets. Tin buckets filled with communion wafers. But they, I think they would do. They could do better than the wafer thing. I think Chip and Joe would put a little bit of heart. Like it'd have a little bit of like the cross, like the the like. Uh, what do you call the like the little cross uh, or hatch on top that makes it lets you know that it was like made that day? They just kind of rake it with uh, a fork, I think, before they put it in the oven. Do you know what I'm talking about? Can you kind of see that? I'm going to mm-hmm. get the bakers, the 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 relevant podcast baking baking fans on my case for not knowing what these are called. Uh, so I apologize for that. But it's like a lattice. It just looks like they kind of raked it with a fork before it went into the oven. And then it comes out. It's got a little bit of some grooves in it. That's how you know it was really made there. And that's what I'd like to see out of the Chip and Joe communion wafer situation. Well, well I, I know how they would serve. <laughs> I know how they would serve the, the, I would assume for them, grape juice in tiny little glass mason jars that are just mm-hmm. passed down the row, you know? <laughs> Yeah, so. They would hide the communion behind a giant uh, picture of what old communion looked like. And on the count of three, they would move it out of the way to reveal what communion was this week. Yeah, the shabby chic barnyard uh, communion. They pour, they pour that, they pour it out of a decanter into the cups. Like they get a little <laughs> swirl around. <laughs> mm, do I detect, I, I detect a little bit of a, of a, of a rootsy nose in there. Hmm. Is that Those cranberry? Tans. Is that Those cranberry? <laughs> Who put cranberry in here? Get this heretic out. <laughs> yeah, J- Chip just manhandles you and throws you out of the church I, like I, I, Uncle I, Phil and grew, DJ yeah, Jazzy yeah, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually brings me to my next item, uh, a fresh prince. DJ reference. Jazzy Jeff brings you your next item. <laughs> Will Smith joined yeah. TikTok, and he did it with the help of Andy Minio and Lecrae. So he made an announcement video. It's a short little uh, like TikTok style video that shows him. It uses like a little CGI effect that shows him being plucked from an iPhone and being dr- literally dropped onto the platform of TikTok. Uh, all while Andy Minio and Lecrae's coming in hot plays in the background. Uh, uh, of course, you know, w- Will Smith is is best known right now as, is you know, kind of I, I still think he's a list, maybe a minus list movie star, but he has more than he's got nearly 40 million followers on Instagram. He's a big deal on the gram. So the jump to TikTok makes sense. Uh, but he uh, interestingly, he's not the first uh, celebrity to co-sign on the song. Steph Curry was recently interviewed and he was asked if he could choose any theme song to his life. What would it be? And he chose Lecrae and Andy Minio's coming in hot. Uh, I want to hear you guys thoughts. But first, Chandler, let's hear a clip. They got the iron while I got the steamer. I bring the fire, but you never seen her. I testify, I don't need a subpoena. They want my soul better go to Korea. I love my dog just like I'm Peter. Gotta protect him. I made the call it with just like I'm rapping. I know we left you, now we back together, but I guess that is better now. Later than never, like, uh, what's happening? I'ma need y'all quit asking when. Me and my wife gonna have some kids. Right now, we just practicing. Practicing. She just said, quit rapping, man. Okay, uh, talk about edgy. Talk about Christian edgy. No kidding. And he threw down there. Because uh, I, I, that probably wouldn't, you couldn't find that in Lifeway either. No way, right? No, no, no. no, no. You can't practice no, that, in Lifeway. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's against the ethos, man. You can't, yeah. there's no practicing have for a, having they kids. Have a strictly quiverful mentality at Lifeway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, th- that they song will not be sold at the Magnolia yet, Market. But, <laughs> uh, okay. I, well, one, I think it's funny because, you know, Will Smith, when he was regularly making music, uh, you know, in his heyday, 
he wasn't a, a Christian artist, you know, but mm-hmm. he wasn't that far from it because he does what a lot of Christian artists do now is they don't make explicitly Christian music. They just, you know, don't use profanity. But that was kind of Will Smith's thing. It's not, uh, not I Christian. Mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he could be. Uh, uh, he he's he's has a big uh, footprint on social media. But but I want to talk about Will Smith real quick. Do you guys think Will Smith is relevant in any way anymore? Here's the deal. My, well, it depends who you ask, because my five-year-old son loves Will Smith. He is obsessed with him. He's got Gen Z. Will's got Gen Z. Ever since that that terrible, terrible Aladdin movie. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he is obsessed with him. He, he, uh, will see a commercial with him on it or, you know, a billboard or something. And he's like, is that Will Smith? That's Will Smith. Oh my gosh. That's Will Smith. He loves him. It's crazy. Hmm. T- Tyler, what are your Will what? Smith thoughts? I've got a lot, man. Okay. I, 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 I think so. Will, I, I'm, I'm 34 years old, so I came of age in the era of like peak Will Smith, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I, when I was a little kid, Fresh Prince, and then got a little Men in Black, uh, Bad Boys. Uh, like I was real. I was Independence Day. Like, so I, I, I've lived Will Smith at his at his absolute best, and I feel like. It's a sign of how much goodwill he has that I'm still uh, like rooting. Uh, the guy. Uh, 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 I'm still I'm still rooting for the guy, right? Even though he hasn't yeah. made a good movie probably since the Bush administration, I'm still like I'm still like which one for him? Because what what do we got? I mean, I don't I don't think any. I mean, I think he's had movies that made money. But I don't yeah. mean, I've, I would say that I've liked any, and he makes some baffling, like he famously turned down the Matrix. Keanu Reeves yep. yep. was number two choice. He turned that down. Famously turned down Django. Uh, Jamie Foxx had to take that one up instead. He makes bad, he's just not good at picking the movies that, that he's in. Yeah. And instead he went for what? Like, what are the Suicide Squad? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some I, of these, I know like he, Aladdin probably looks good on paper. Aladdin probably made sense on paper, and then it just—I <laughs> don't know—it made a lot of money. It just wasn't a very good right, movie. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I, but I'm still pulling for that guy. I want every movie that he's in. I want to be good. I want to go down and see go see a good Will Smith movie. It just hasn't happened for me in a long time. It, it is interesting that he's so you know he has a resurgence with like Gen Z and younger, like not just your your yeah. children, uh, JD, but then also I think because he has two children who are both very cool, yeah, and uh, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know very prominent uh, artists. It's almost like. And he has such a big following on Instagram. And I think obviously the move to TikTok, I'm surprised he's not already on TikTok, much less making an announcement video with Lecrae and Andy Minio. But I, it's, it's interesting that he has such a, like a large appeal among the, the generation, like just slightly below ours. It's almost like he's like the dad of Gen Z. You know what I mean? Like Will Smith is like the cool dad for, you know, people right now that are between the age of like 16 and 24. It's like, yeah, do you guys kind of see that? Like Will Smith being cool dad, but definitely still can go dad mode. I get it. Oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I I actually think think that there's a I think there's room for there to be a Fresh Prince reboot with him playing an Uncle Phil like character. Oh, he, wow. He really has kind of morphed into Uncle Phil in a well, lot of ways. He's got some you know? Uncle Phil vibes. Yeah. 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 Cause he's I definitely like could be the cool uncle. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think he would be, I don't think he would want to be uncle Phil, you know? No, I, I don't I, see I don't that either. being, I think Will's like way too choosy about like he, he always wants to be the cool guy in the movie. Yeah. He can't ever be, he's not yeah. going to be the villain. He's not going to be the like, the like washed up square. Uh, I, I can't see him being too happy with, but he would maybe yeah. be like the, I don't know what, I don't know what I would like to, for him for him to return to TV for sure. I just don't know what yeah. capacity that would be in. Maybe, maybe they'll make him a deal though. Maybe they'll be like, you come back as Mr. Phil and we'll give you Gemini man too. <laughs> you, know yeah, my exactly. thought is? <laughs> you know what my thought is is having seen will on social media where he's really he's really really good as like a storyteller like he's still just a great yeah. fun personality i think he could take over one of these late night talk shows i think he mm. would be a, oh yeah i think he'd be a phenomenal like behind the desk uh, i don't think he'd want to do it i think he would say i think that's like a, a step down for him he has to work every day but i feel like the will smith the will smith like late night talk show would be must watch viewing i, I would rather watch him than fallon i'd rather watch yeah. will oh, smith for sure. you know <laughs> for sure. oh for yeah. sure yeah yeah, yeah. well that's my he, advice he, well if yeah. it will Get, get in touch, man. Let's talk. I've got some ideas. <laughs> That's my ideas. This is just a taste. Just a taste of my career paths that I've got Listen, in motion Will, for you. Call me. If you're interested in doing a late night TV show that will shoot in my garage and you will also come to live in my house and be an Uncle Phil, like wide, sage, wholesome figure in my life, please call me. Please reach out and I'll stop you mailing you those creepy letters made of cut out magazine letters. So uh, let's just get a deal. Can I pay you? No. Do I have ideas? Not really. Do I have connections? No. Where am I going with this? I'm not sure. But do call me. But please, but do I do. I just want to talk. I really just need a friend. You're <laughs> really, like cool. Nice you're really cool. To hang out you're with really cool. You're a really cool guy. I've liked you for a long time. I, yeah. Yeah. Your, your Instagram video where you're like ziplining in Costa Rica and the rainforest, giving an inspirational speech about courage really moved just me. It's very the, it's, the, it's literally the best thing I saw in the last two years. So please reach out. Please. I'm begging you. Love will. Love will. All right. All right, Tyler, this one's just for you. Uh, oh, really? Brie Larson. Uh, this oh, yeah. is number two on the hot list. Brie Larson has spoken with the studio about an all-woman Marvel mashup movie. So Variety was recently Variety recently asked her if she's discussed the standalone film uh, that would have Black Widow, Mantis, Scarlet Scarlet Witch, Pepper Potts, Valkyrie, uh, who of course they all appeared together in that climactic scene in Endgame. Uh, mm-hmm. And they asked her if she'd discuss a possibility with Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. Uh, here's here's what her response was. She said, I'll say that a lot of the female cast members from Marvel walked up to Kevin and were like, we are in this together and we want to do this. What that means, I have no idea. You know, I'm not in charge of the future of Marvel, but it is something that we're really passionate about and we love. And I feel like if enough people out in the world talk about how much they want it, maybe it'll happen. Uh, oh. According to Box Office Mojo, Captain Marvel is actually the sixth most successful film in the entire MCU, considering there's like, what, 24 MCU movies coming in at number six and hasn't been out that long uh, is pretty impressive. I I think that I think it would work. I think I think it'd be a good time. I think that uh, the very first Avengers movie had one woman to what, like seven guys all told Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, Hawkeye. And Hulk. Yeah. So to find one woman to five guys. So I feel like it'd be, it's time to like, I, I think we could flip that equation. I think that would go. Yeah. I think people would be that that would be only fair if you got the the ladies of, of the MCU with, uh, with Captain Marvel in charge. And then you could throw in like one token male 
just to balance things, just to get the, just, I, I don't know which one it would be. Yeah. They're, they're all kind of, they're, we're losing them. Like they're dropping like flies out there. We don't have Iron Man anymore. We don't have Captain America. Spoiler for a movie that's been out for six months, but that, so I don't know who it'd be, but I, I, I would love to see that. And there's comic book uh, precedent too. Oh, for you sure. probably just have Nick Fury be the token dude. Oh, that's true. You can say Samuel L. loves these movies. <laughs> what a good time to be Samuel L. Jackson. That guy just collects his paycheck, walks in, delivers a couple lines. Captain Marvel was easily his first like actual role in these. Before that, he just they could give him the script day one, be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, got it. All right. Sayonara, everybody. Well, <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow, Gwyneth Paltrow, like, didn't even realize yeah. that she's been in some of these movies. You know, oh, like, yeah. there's that, that, that cooking show <laughs> yeah. on Netflix where John Favreau, you know, uh, who plays Happy, um, you know, was like, yo, remember we, we, we talked about it when we were filming, uh, Spider-Man, you know, uh, whichever one, homecoming far, far from, yeah. uh, or far from home. She was like, what? I was in that like yeah, I saw a late night uh, interview this week where she's like, nah, I haven't even seen the movie much. Like, you know, she has very little knowledge. I, all that to say is like, yeah, for some of those characters, I feel like they're either in or they're out. Right. If we want yeah. Pepper Potts, give her a big role in the movie. But otherwise, her just, you know, basically telling fans how she phones this entire thing and doesn't see why it's <laughs> such a big deal. It's a problem. Like, give her a prominent role or just get her out of the movie. So well, they sort opinion. of phoned the, the MCU sort of phoned her in a little bit. I'm not the biggest yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow, biggest, the biggest Gwyneth Paltrow fan out there, but they have not. It's not like they've been giving her a lot of uh, script work that really needs a lot of dedication on her part. She can probably <laughs> just fly in on her goop, her goop copter every day, uh, <laughs> recite her two or three lines and then head back. She does it. it. It's like you're, you're talking 45 minutes both ways out of her. Maybe day. that's yeah. what we need is a uh, is a Gwyneth Paltrow uh, or a Pepper Potts Nick Fury movie. Oh, just like to a give them cop. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they've been there from the beginning. From, yeah. from Iron Man one, they were there, and they've been they've been slumming it along the entire time with these little cameos and bit rolls. Now it's time for them to have their moment in the sunshine. They could get one of those new TV shows they're putting on the Disney Plus thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Kind of I, and I, I think fun. it should be a cooking show between Nick Fury and Pepper Potts. <laughs> you know, I mean, why not? With a name like Pepper Potts, with a name like Pepper Potts, the woman has to know how to cook. It's just yeah. it's just yeah. baked yeah, into her name. Yeah. Pe- Pepper Nick Potts Fury. also. So big, yeah. Uh, a pepper pots is a big popular item in the magnolia market. It's just a big <laughs> pot, but they call it a pepper pot, and it's like it looks like it was like dented and rustic somehow. It looks like they salvage it from an old barn, you know, in upstate New York, and they sell it for sixty dollars at magnolia market. The pepper pot, <laughs> number one on on ye old hot list this week. Uh, a church created a Bohemian Rhapsody parody video centered on the Enneagram. Uh, so Rivers Crossing okay. uh, Church in Ohio, they're getting ready to kick off a, a sermon series called What's Your Number? And as part of the, the uh, a compliment to the teaching, uh, the worship team, presumably the worship team, created a six minute deep dive uh, into the sacred personality identification system set to Queen's classic rock anthem. Here is a clip of Enneagram Rhapsody. Is this my whole life? Are these just tendencies? I'm overwhelmed by all of these personalities. Open our eyes from once to the night. Let's see. 
<laughs> I get the picture. Well, I think, wow. All right. All right. So we, Jesse, you and I talked about this a little bit we offline. Did. We did. And, uh, and I, well, I, 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 I got it. Here's what I got to do. I got to hand it to this church because they went for it. And uh, you're never going to hear me knock a church that really goes for it. Uh, yeah. like these guys did. So <laughs> I, 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 I do wonder a little bit about the use of time and resources for something like this, <laughs> but, but I, I respect the choice and uh, I think the lyrics worked okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I am not like an Enneagram, uh, you know, fanatic. Yeah, you're not an Enneagram I, head, are you? Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I always forget what my number is or what, <laughs> or when I do remember our number, I'm like, I don't know what, characteristics or attributes are attached to that um but i mean it did it this was a literal deep dive into it like it was if in order for you to enjoy this song on the merits of its parody you have to know all these obscure (laughs) enneagram things like yeah you really do and plus this is i mean say what you will about the concept an enneagram parody of bohemian rhapsody but the production value is extremely high that's what i mean they went for a guitar solo and everything yeah yeah they didn't have they didn't have to they could have they could have been one guy on a piano. We would have gotten the idea, but this is a full queen cover. This is, they have everybody in there. They're, they, they spared no expense for this. And the guy can sing. He's, he doesn't have bad, he's he can hit that, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough vocal part. And he hits yeah. those notes. That's no mean feat. So I'll, I'll hats off to that. And he really goes for it. If you watch the video, I, the, the visuals are a big part of it because he really cuts loose. Too. He's a born performer. He's a showman. He's a seven. J- Gotta be. JD, you, you've been involved in the creative aspects of churches. Um, yes. <laughs> tell me as someone who's been on the <laughs> who's been on the inside, what you think of both the, the concept and the execution of uh, Enneagram Rhapsody. I feel like this is like the perfect storm of church shenanigans because it's got it's got oh, yeah. it's got an aged pop culture reference that you, you gotta have it it's, we're it's like got a year a, yeah because the queen movie came out like like bohemian rhapsody <laughs> had a resurgence it's probably been like 14 months now right yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah yeah and then you also have um you have to have uh, an excuse for your worship team to show off their chops um yeah. so there that's that's number two and then and then the third one and this is the newer one is okay. you tap it into the enneagram and i think yeah yeah i think as far as creating a the you know post postmodern church buzz this ticks off all three so i mean good for them for doing it i you know i think if this is what we can look forward to to replace the at the movie series every summer at your church then i'm for it because that is the worst and yeah. and if we can replace it with queen covers then why not what i'd like yeah. to hear is i'd like to hear like um uh like second assembly baptist from bithlow uh florida <laughs> try to do their rendition of it and then you know you know because you know what's happening now is that there are a bunch of other churches around america that have seen this and they're like well 
well, shoot, in, you know, you know, Jeff can sing that part. Why don't we just, why don't we do that this Sunday? And then all of a yeah. sudden, you know, poor Jeff is dropped this YouTube video from a senior pastor. Um, <laughs> and now, now like, he has to figure out a way how to, how to pull this off this Sunday. And he's like, all I got is myself on an acoustic guitar and Aunt Ethel on the organ. And we have to come up with our own queen cover. And so yeah. I'm looking and forward to sound that like version. Yeah. I, I do like this better, like you said, than movie Sunday or like the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of stranger things, you know, oh, yeah, <laughs> loving, yeah, loving absolutely. your neighbor, yeah. loving your neighbor yeah. in the upside down, you know, the upside down <laughs> kingdom, you know, this I is, much preferred the queen cover. I, yeah, take it because this at least kind of embraces the kitschiness of it anyway, uh-huh. instead of pretending that like we're doing something really important here, but not to knock the Enneagram or the, or the message or anything like that, but at least they're kind of embrace the like the frivolity of the whole thing instead right. of uh, some of the some of the really bad like Lord of the Rings knockoffs that they're somehow still doing 2019 the year of our Lord and get ready because they're having that new Amazon Lord of the Rings show coming out so we're yeah. gonna get a whole nother round of Lord of the Rings sermons illustrations oh boy can't wait can't wait yeah it's <laughs> well, time for my time for my my once a decade sabbatical from church <laughs> well listen if you want to see in the full video of Enneagram Rhapsody it's over on relevantmagazine.com alright that'll do it for the hot list next up Jeff Bethke joins us you're listening to The Night Has Opened My Eyes by Hot Flash Heatwave. well today's featured interview is brought to you by Squarespace Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or even an online store, it's all included with Squarespace. Creating your website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. You can even design a best-in-class store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more. And that's all without a single plugin, including all the tools you need to track inventory, process orders, and send custom emails in one intuitive interface. Squarespace Commerce allows you to understand every aspect of your business. Be sure to go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, Jeff Bethke is an author and podcaster. And in his new book, To Hell With Hustle, Reclaiming Your Life in an Overworked, Overspent, and Overconnected World, he looks at why modern culture's obsession with efficiency, work, and quote-unquote success could be negatively affecting our spiritual lives. I recently had a chance to speak with Jeff about the book and why we should all be rethinking the idea of hustle. Here's part of my conversation with Jeff Bethke. Why did you want to write something that is sort of counter to a message which we hear a lot, which is you got to hustle and you got to, you know, have, you know, side gigs and and, and you got to do all this stuff to achieve big things. Why did you want to tackle it kind of from the other side? Well, I think exactly because of what you just said, I think uh, the message is just becoming bombarding, right? It's becoming mm-hmm. over, it, it, it's just coming from, it's an onslaught from internet, from influencers, from personalities, from just like the spirit and zeitgeist of the age to use the fun word. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's just so bombarding. I kind of start asking the question, like, cause I'm, I, I just turned 30. So I, you know, um, millennial, you know, like just out of college for the last, like, you know, six, seven years and kind of like uh, feeling that same weight that a lot of us feel in this, this generation. Uh, and I think I just start asking a question, like, is this, this is kind of the premise of the book really, which is, is, is hustle, is that, that, inundation of this, this spirit or this, um, do more, be more, you know, connect more, try to achieve more, retire at, you know, age 19, blah, blah, blah. Is that forming us 
more into the image of Jesus or not. Mm. Right. Mm. And I think, um, and that's, that's kind of the premise of the book is, is this, are we really taking a step back and asking what is this doing to our souls, our humanness? And especially as people who, as followers of Jesus, is this making us distinct and any different? Meaning like we should always have, um, we should feel different and look different at some levels. And I realized that this one, the kind of this hustle spirit was not, we hadn't kind of put up the gate against this one as much as we do some other things that culture will throw at us. Yeah. So we're kind of going along just as heavily. And so then I just kind of said, man, what is this doing? First of all, I guess the book started, and I started about this in chapter one. First, it was like, what is this doing to me? Right. Mm-hmm. I talk about that in chapter one. Like I, we, you know, I think me and my wife kind of, um, reached the logical conclusion of this stuff quicker than most, just because of, you know, um, Providence or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, had a job we loved, you know, very early, you know, 23 years old, I'm doing what I love. Um, you know, maybe even getting more noticed than most people at age 22, uh, just based on like the coincidence of the viral video and all of that stuff. So some of these things that like, you know, was married, had kids, bought a house, just all these things that like benchmarks. Right. Yeah. And then I'm saying like, this still, like this just still doesn't, <laughs> this isn't working. There's something about this is not kind of giving us what it promised. And so, yeah, so the, the, the book is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say memoir, but it's a heavy look of first starting with my, our own life of like, man, this didn't give us what it said it was going to give us. And in fact, some of these benchmarks thinking that they had to be ducks in a row that we had to like hit one by one by one by one by one actually led to more burnout, more anxiousness, more tension. And so then it was a first look at me. Then I really started looking at culture at large, all these different things and saying, oh man, this is a, this is pervasive. This is, um, uh, a serious. And I think this is actually kind of one of the core things that actually is kind of, you can almost trace uh, all the current problems back to, if that makes sense. And so yeah. the book unpacks that and every chapter goes into different topics and stuff like that of what that looks like and what that means. But yeah, that's kind of where it came from. Well, Jefferson, let's start with part of your own story, you know, that, that you kind of address in the beginning of the book, you know, you had tons of success young and you know but kind of modern success does kind of encourage especially in like media encourages people to kind of build their platform and increase their reach and kind of you know it it assigns like these real metrics to the things that you're doing what toll did that take on you personally in your marriage and also most importantly spiritually what did you how did it start to wear you down yeah i mean i think the easy answer to that one is obviously that like you know uh, doing something for likes or affirmation or whatever isn't healthy and mm-hmm. obviously can create kind of this really bad cycle. But I think everyone kind of knows that one. The other thing I'll say, <clears throat> I think the more deeper version of that is that that what what kind of chasing a platform or chasing a building of an audience or kind of you becoming a brand, which I really kind of don't like that uh, terminology about people is it commodifies you, right? Mm. Like it, it dehumanizes you. It kind of vacuums you out and makes you a shell of a person. It's almost like the 1980s version of like politicians, right? Where you kind of have to be like shiny and this and that and presentable. But like we do that now with like social media influencers and we all try to do that because we're trying to present kind of a packaged kind of political version of ourselves, not political in the true sense of the word, but yeah. um and so I think that's, yeah. And, and, and that's an, that's an ancient problem, right? Like you go back to Pharaoh, you go back to Egypt, you go back to Israel and that narrative. And obviously one of the detrimental things about Pharaoh was that he dehumanized and commodified Israelites. They were nothing but brick makers to him, right? They weren't the actual. And that's why Yahweh is so different because Yahweh steps in, rescues them from Egypt, from slavery, and then says, actually, you are my people, 
right? Uh, I want to be your God. I want to be in relationship with you. He humanizes them and actually sees them holistically and complexly, which then allows him to bring them into relationship. When Pharaoh was, you're nothing but brickmakers, right? And I think a lot of us were nothing, uh, our culture is telling us we're nothing but brickmakers. And what that does is that that dehumanizes and commodifies, which then makes us transactional. And I don't think a human soul should ever uh, uh, kind of be treated as transactional. That's when I think we feel <clears throat> where we start to hollow out and we start to lose our humanness. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of the main thing I think that we we see with this social media part of the, this conversation. I, I think that the the challenging part for some people, particularly who are like uh, Christians and who are in positions of influence, you know, they would kind of say, well, I feel like the more people that are following me and, you know, uh, that are liking my stuff and sharing my stuff, the, the greater impact I can have for God and that their motivations are, are, you know, at some level, they're pure. I mean, obviously, they can kind of get adulterated with these like, you know, self building, uh, you know, type of things like it's fun being popular. But for someone that whose motivations is pure, if they're like, listen, I know I'm I know I'm over being overworking myself. I know I'm like kind of overextended, but my motivation is to reach as many people with the gospel as possible. Yeah. What would you say to them as sort of a cautionary uh, yeah. you know, piece of advice? Uh, so many things, I guess. Uh, well, the first thing is, I think, yeah, I think you're actually right. I think you nailed on the head that, 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 that is a pure heart. And I think a lot of us are coming from a pure heart where a lot of us aren't trying to just be, you know, famous and make a bunch of money and all this. A lot of us actually just want to reach people. We want to communicate. We want to live our life for meaning and purpose. I think that's really what it comes down to. And that's so healthy and beautiful. But um, I think we have to always weight that in the whole story. And the hard part about the American narrative is that we kind of have gone so heavy handed of every single person needs to change the world, right? Mm-hmm. Every single person needs to be making an enormous impact. I, I read about that, I think chapter two, that I think it was either Buzzfeed or maybe New York Times. There was an art, a pretty long article on kind of the burnout generation, um, which is the millennial generation she talks about. And that's the name she gives us. And she talked about that, how like we have no more in human history, no more time in human history has there been more pressure on young people with their vocation because it has to not only be meaningful, deeply meaningful, like, like, which is hilarious by the way. Right. Because if you think about all of human history, like people just worked and it was a blessing. (laughs) Like, it's so interesting to me that we even have to like, it's got to give us so much ROI on meaning rather than I think, again, the scriptures in human history has just testified to the fact that man work in and of itself, right. Postman, lawyer, mom, any, any job out there, in and of itself is holy and beautiful and sacred. Um, that's, and, and I think we've missed that. And then two, not only does it have to be super deep and meaningful, but then it has to be uh, make our parents proud. And then it also has to have an edge of coolness to our, our friends. Mm-hmm. It's got to be kind of the cool like tech job or whatever, you know? And so you put all these things together and that's a nearly impossible for us to actually, any of us to actually achieve that. Um, and even when we do achieve that, the reality is never as big as the dream and reality is a lot harder and the job's hard and we move on and we bounce around and we don't stay grounded. And so I would say, I think, first of all, just be wary of that. Second of all, be wary of like that Jesus himself had the biggest impact in human history and had this enormous meaning and purpose and mission. Yet he still kind of bucks up against some of these things that we would deem very uh, wrong in our culture. And one of those being like his audience got smaller and smaller as he went forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he, he got more like by the time he died, he had like a few people that maybe would have stuck around, uh, when in the beginning it was thousands and thousands. So that's interesting. First of all, that the person we follow is actually kind of an upside down pyramid in the sense of like his audience got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And then he was basically alone and isolated when he died. Now, I don't think a lot of us would call that success. Right. But clearly it is clearly. It's actually the 
at some level, clearly it's the actual archetype of success because then that was the greatest moment in human history where he actually was then, you know, crowned and lifted up as, uh, you know, I think one of the most sarcastic or more double entendre moments ever was the sign above him that said King of the Jews while they were making fun of him, but he actually was King of the world. Um, and that was his moment. He was being put on the throne, uh, uh, to reign and rule. And so I think like, we just have to wrestle with that. I think it's a complex question. I think we want to do jobs of purpose and meaning. I think God has that for us, but I think we have to wrestle with like, man, the life of Jesus, Jesus shows some interesting things. And then also on top of that, he's also chasing obscurity at some level. And that's why I have a whole chapter on that in the book of like, he actually, like, we think obscurity is a curse, right? If we're not famous, if we're not known, if we're not doing anything that's noticeable, Jesus himself, like chased it. He actually was like, I want to go out into the desert. I want to retreat. I want to not be known. Every other page in some of the gospels is like, do not tell anyone what I just did. Um, and so I think if we're not kind of letting that saturate in us, then that can, or if we are, that can kind of in a healthy way, uh, round out some of these parts about us that maybe are a little overblown. That was Jeff Bethke. Next up, Ask the Cast. You're listening to Still I Miss You by Blue Hawaii. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time. We've asked you to send us your most difficult, perplexing questions for a segment we like to call all right, Chandler. I, uh, why don't you why don't you throw a couple of these our way, and then Chandler, there's one I will save towards the end, and I will ask you. So, so uh, hit us up with a couple of these a couple of these uh, questions here. All right, Jimmy has a three part question for you guys. Okay. First, oh man, do you guys do Halloween? Yes, in a sense. Do you dress up for Halloween? I do. Absolutely. I usually try to do something uh, thematically with my kids. Okay. Well, that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I I love dressing up for Halloween. It's awesome. And anyone who says otherwise, like I said, I don't care if you call it by a different name and celebrate it at a church. It's still Halloween. It's still really fun to dress up. <laughs> Jesse, yeah. I know I know about the Carey family's theme. Yeah. This year, what's the what's happening over in, in your household, John David? Oh, you know that's the weird thing is this is the first year we haven't had it all figured out just yet. Oh, uh, so this is yeah. going to be this could be a last minute decision. Yeah, it's it's getting kind of it's getting kind of hectic. Uh, years past, uh, we did an entire Lego theme mm, where okay. uh, we cool. did that, cool. and then there was, uh, of course, I'm going blank now. But we've done we've done different themes throughout the years, and uh, but this year, um, usually uh, my elder son Asher is the one who gets to pick the theme, and he's been a little wishy washy this year. He can't figure out what he wants to be, so so we're. Uh, we're kind blaming, of like blaming yeah, like, your yeah. children. Pick a theme already. Just pick a theme. <laughs> Ch- Chandler, what, what's the third part of the question? So the third part is probably uh, you, you pretty much answered it already, but couples costumes. Yes or no. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, that, Absolutely. I think it's better that way. Yeah. It's I, fun. I, the, the, here's the only downside of a couple's costume. It's like, it only works if you're like in a very close physical proximity to your significant mm-hmm. other for the whole True. evening. So let's say you go to a Halloween party, 
right? And you're you got some friends in the kitchen, and your wife is in the, the living room, and, and you're and you're mingling around. Your denim, you know, full Justin Timberlake look doesn't really translate that well without yeah. the denim, Brittany. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I you're mean? Just like, like, oh, you're, you're just, just like denim Levi's guy. cowboy. Yeah, yeah you're uh, just you're yeah. Jay Leno. What is this? You know, <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> you know that guy there's a lot of <laughs> you know what I mean like you really have to you really have to stay in close you know proximity which is fine but it's just something to keep in mind with a couple's costume what else have we got Chandler all right Corbin asked uh you are hosting a backyard barbecue and can invite any three people you want living or dead which three people would you invite Oh, wow. So, man, I have a lot of backyard barbecues. Like I'm a big backyard barbecue type of guy. And the great thing about backyard barbecues, everyone's chill. Everyone's chill. So any three people dead or alive, like, okay, there's there's like the right answer. And then there's like the the real answer. So, of course, like the right answers is like, well, I would I would probably have uh Jesus, Paul, and Mary, and uh, you know, just do a little Bible, a little Devo yeah, time. Yeah, um, you know, that's that's the the right answer, JD. I'm going to think about mine for a second. Who who would you go with? Well, I agree with you that there's like two levels of answers. There's like the Bible school answer, which is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, because they can get right up in there if something if something if you get a flare up, you know, you're like, oh no, the hot dog is burning. They're like, I got this. They reach their hand right in, pull it out. Brisket. Yeah. (laughs) Some of the brisket fell in the back of the smoker. Can you guys help us out? Yeah. (laughs) We got this. Been here before. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Um, I'm kind of a mellow barbecuer. So here's mine. It's, it's either, you know, for the question is, you know, three people living or dead, you can invite to a barbecue. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Here's mine. Gallagher, the comedian, (laughs) whose entire bit is smashing watermelons. I obviously have a lot of watermelons. I would also have carrot top. Uh, and uh, I would also have uh, comedian Paula Poundstone, and it would just be sticky comedians uh, be hanging out in the I'm backyard. Coming, you could not drag me to this barbecue. <laughs> doing mostly prop comedy in the backyard. I think it'd be a good time. I think every, everyone Terrible. will remember, like, hey, do you remember that time we went to that barbecue? <laughs> Carrot Top, Paula Poundstone, and Gallagher were there. Like, Rather it, it's the only, like, you could, because if you were like, well, I take, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, Ernest, Ernest Hemingway and uh, you know uh, Ella Fitzgerald like yeah it's like it, 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 that'd be cool but it's not going to be as memorable as having Carrot Top, Callier and Paula Poundstone in the, <laughs> everyone's be like dude that was a crazy crazy cookout Gallagher hit somebody with a giant wooden mouth the man's insane well, who would you choose uh, oh that's such a tough it's always so hard that's like a lot of living or dead too that just doesn't it, because obviously you want to do the like, oh, I get somebody smart, but I don't think I would want to get set because what are you really going to ask a barbecue. these people? You know, what are you really going to ask these people? They haven't been asked a million times. Like, it's going to be weird. Like, what you're going to get the inklings to come to your barbecue? Like, they're they're not going to want to 
be there with you. They're, yeah. They just came back from the dead for what? For an hour and a half with some brisket and some pork and beans. Yeah. That's a like, yeah. miserable way to spend. You're no, like, I just want to see what's new. And you're like, no, you're stuck yeah. here eating no. some hot no, dogs. That, you have to that, tell me where you got the idea for Nardia. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's why you can't go wrong with prop comedians. All right, Chandler, what, other, what, other, what other questions you got for All us? All right. Shermeria asked, what is your funniest foot and mouth story? Oh, no. man. Yeah, I've got a few. Oh. oh, all right, Tyler, lead us off. I've got then. a few. Uh, I'm going to make this this short, but I did. I did have one of those. There was a moment in college where I had to uh, I had to do a presentation on a on a book. Uh, I woke up the day it was due and realized like, oh, that's due today, and I have not read the book, but I I perused the back of the the back of the cover yeah. online, so I thought I had a pretty good idea. I could kind of like fake my way through it in front of the whole class this for this oral report. Um, but unfortunately, when I read that this was a book about the experiences of Indians in America, my mind went to Native Americans when obviously it was about like oh, no. Indians, like people oh, from no. India. So I thought I had really, cl- I thought I'd done a great job in oh, that no. oral report when I thought I'd passed with flying colors <laughs> until my friend, my so-called friend who was in the front row who had picked the same book, raised his hand and said, well, I got something a little different out of the book. And I immediately realized, of course, that now I would have to continue to insist that my friend had actually read it wrong when obviously he <laughs> correctly interpreted it. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't bad. It was a disaster. I, I see. I don't know how, but I've been able to avert a lot of foot and mouth moments. But I do. I, I feel like the modern equivalent, and JD, I'm interested if you have any of these, is like the accidental reply all. You know, or like uh, responding sure, to the re- yeah, yeah, the sure. wrong text read. JD, do you have anything that's ever happened, or you, that you have been a part of? I've, I've, you know, I've skated away from all of those, but I've gotten really close. There've been a few times, especially the text message threads. Yeah, because you're, you're like mm-hmm. needing to send a text thre- a text to somebody, so you like type in the person's name really briefly, and then it, it, as it's like auto filling in who you're who you're going to send it to, you just select the first one. You're like, yeah, let's go, and then you type out this like long, vicious text about someone, and then <laughs> right before you hit send. Like by the grace of God, you look up and you see like, oh no! I'm sitting into that person. <laughs> so I've avoided that one, but and, and that's real why, and that's, close. That's why Aunt Jane doesn't come to Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> once, once or twice, I've been pretty close to sending a, a personal tweet on the relevant account. That's almost yeah. happened a couple of times. It's never <laughs> happened, but but it's been. But there's been some close say where like, oh. Hey, <laughs> Got to, got to, really got to make sure you switch that account <laughs> over. We don't need the relevant audience getting over with all the Tyler Huckabee. Yeah, Tyler Huckabee takes. We're not, we're not ready for that. Yeah. All right, all right, Chandler. What else you got for us, man? Uh, Ad asks, how much eye contact is too much eye contact with a bandmate? <laughs> oh, with a, bandmate? A, very, <laughs> a very specific question. <laughs> and I see hey, why my, you asked us three guys who know a lot about. <laughs> Yeah, Being I guess watching it smart. Watching but I will say show. this: Is it dirt? Like, I have a couple, <laughs> I have a couple follow questions. Like, if it's in the performance, I feel like you're just making it awkward for literally everyone in the crowd if yeah. you're just staring at your bandmate. <laughs> right. If you're in the recording studio and it's like their turn to record their track, and you're making eye contact with them, you're just making them very nervous. I feel like very little uh, eye contact is necessary. Uh, what, what do you think about? Banned eye contact. <laughs> well, I think this is the whole controversy of the Civil Wars, wasn't it? Like 
though how much eye contact is too much eye oh, contact between those yeah, two. That's true. Um, because true. at first it was like, oh, this is the sweet like love song duet thing, and you're like, oh, this is. Are, do they realize we're even here in this room with them? Uh, <laughs> that is true. Just, <laughs> like the Sunny and Cher thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah it's, you, you need to, little... It depends on the context. Because if it's your, if you're in a band with like somebody, you like if it's a husband wife type situation. Yeah. Well, that's one thing. If it's a Johnny swims situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. But then, but then it could, then it, things it, can get really weird. It otherwise. can get weird and creepy. Quickly, yeah, it, it can go from yeah, charming yeah. to creepy really quick. Yeah, it's a fine line. I know we're not really answering the question here. It's kind of yeah. a tough one. I think yeah. you know. I, I will say. You know. I will say right, this: yeah. it gets creepy really fast, especially if you're in a worship band. All right, Chandler, <laughs> what, give us give us one more. Give us one more. All right, last one. This one's a pretty pretty quick one. What's your favorite type of muffin? Mm. I like muffins that aren't muffin like <laughs> like I like <laughs> muffins that are basically giant chocolate chip cookies shaped like muffins like I, <laughs> give me a good chocolate chip a chocolate works. a chocolate muffin with chocolate chips that is essentially like at that point it's a brownie shaped like a muffin give me that that's what i want i love blueberry muffins but i like the really garbage it made out of a box ones not yeah. even the fancy uh, made out of the no, box ones where yeah. it has like the crumbles on top no 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 get that garbage out of here i want just like the boringest plain like low middle class betty crocker in a box dude i, I my kids eat mini muffins i come in like little bags pre-packaged <laughs> yes. you get them out and, and like they're like oily for some reason like <laughs> yeah it's that. like it's yeah. not like a muffin yeah. it's like a muffin meatball like that's literally <laughs> like what the consistency of it tyler what, what's your muffin choice man yeah i'm kind of with you with desi i, I think muffin, muffins are trash Generally speaking, like it needs to be really, really sweet for me, or else it's just like it's a lot of bread. It's okay, it dries yeah, your mouth, it sucks all the moisture yeah. out of your mouth, it, and they're just not all that good. The tops are fine, the tops are fine, I guess, but even then, yeah. it, give me give me a donut. Yeah, exactly. Any, any do- a bad donut, it's better than a really good muffin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Chandler, Chandler, I got one for you. All this right. one comes from Noah, and uh, you know, it, Noah noted that um, you know JD has already gotten his own segment, Strange Happenings, which he mm. debuted and talked about uh, some interesting things. Um, uh, Chandler, Noah wants to know if you will do your own segment, but here's the segment. It's called Chandler's Booth, and you sit and review dishes from average franchise <laughs> restaurants. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like you're very capable of Absolutely. this. Would what you I, consider an episode of, of, of Chandler's Booth? What places would I go other than... Chili's and Olive Garden. I mean, I mean, uh, I can just start listing them off. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Applebee's, <laughs> uh, Ruby Tuesday, uh, Chevy's. I bring a field recorder to the restaurant and from the yes. table. It's just kind of what I'm thinking about these dishes. Like nobody else is there. It's just me and them. No, it's just you. Okay. Stream of consciousness, like eating sliders. Un- unfiltered. All right. I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Chandler's booth coming. Uh, just send me the file. I'll make sure it gets stitched into the next pod. Just trust me on it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, hey, cool. uh, that, that'll do it for uh, for this week's Ask the Cast. Remember, you can tweet us your questions and we may select yours on the show. I want to thank Jeff Bethke for joining us. You can uh, check out his new book, To Hell with Hustle. It drops next week. You can pre-order it now and it will be in the mail 
and you'll get it like the day it comes out next week. Uh, also, I want to thank Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Remember, you go to remember you can go to squarespace.com slash relevant for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code relevant to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Also, be sure to check out uh, our other podcast, uh, Relevant Daily. You get news coming to you every day. And check out our new podcast for church leaders. It's called Called. We've had some really great guests. I know for a fact they just... Uh, recorded a fascinating interview with the legend N.T. Wright. So be sure to check out that pod uh, and and everything else we're doing over at RelevantMagazine.com. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, That'll do it for this week. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm John David Harris. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler String. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. If you're interested in doing a late night TV show that will shoot in my garage and you will also come to live in my house and be an Uncle Phil, like wide, sage, wholesome figure in my life, please call me. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.